Well, there's a great line that says, that, you know, they don't care until you care. I'm, I'm sorry, they don't care until they know you care. Mm. And it's very true. It's very true. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we deal with a lot of boys, young men that are, come from very dysfunctional homes and um, growing up lifestyles, you know, so they, they, and they've had a lot of mistreatment, not a lot of trust in, in people, you know, my first priority is to build their trust with me that I will not fail them. And you're wonderful with it too, Hayden. You've got great care for for your athletes, yeah. you know. And if I feel you're on the staff and you don't care about the, the athletes, then, then you're not going to be there with me for long, regardless of how good you are. I'm so excited to announce a new partner of the podcast. Our newest sponsor is the most relevant sponsor I feel I could I could bring to you as a listener. So hear me out on this. There's a course by Compete to Create, developed by Dr. Michael Gervais and Pete Carroll. Seattle Seahawks head coach. Now, you may have heard of it, you may not. If you haven't heard of it, Compete to Create. There's a they ha, they run an online course, it's an 8-week course, Finding Your Best. Now, the reason I think it's perfect, the listeners that are part of the team that listen here are all finding their best constantly. So there is actually no better and perfect fit to have a sponsor of this show and to now partner with than Compete to Create. Now, they're a company that's focused on giving people the tools. Now, I know I try to bring to you guests and people who are at the top of their game. And I want to expose you to conversations that will either inspire you, either teach you or share wisdom with. And I know you're the type of people that are out there consuming this type of content regularly. The difference with this course is it gives you the tools to reveal and engineer yourself to be your very best every day. Now I know if you're at your very best, the people you care for or look after or coach or teach or are alongside in a team, I know you will make them better if you are at your very best. Your team could be your workplace, it could be your family. But we know that you can train three things. You can train your body, you can train your craft and your mind. Now most of us focus on the craft of the body, but neglect the mind. Yet we know, and science tells us, that the performance differentiator lies within the highly trained mind. So if you want to learn to perform at your best and do some work, now I've done this course myself and I found it so engaging. I found the content, the videos, the the work so engaging and and when I say work it, it's not it's not hard work, it's just specific and it crystallizes, it makes things very clear. Anywhere from high performance to developing your personal philosophy, developing your vision, your character, mindfulness, optimism. There's so much that goes into this course, developing control, grit, working on how to maintain being calm, under pressure, confidence, there's 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 parts of this course that work on focus and trust, moving well, eating well, culture, thinking well, everything. There is so much to this course that you will love, you'll absolutely love. Now, like I said, if you want to perform at your best, for not only you but also the people around you, then this course is for you. So I voice this ad myself because it is so real. It is so real to me. This this course is one that I've done. I've recommended to athletes I look after, coaches I work alongside, 
my own family, my own wife. So this this is real when I'm recommending this course to you. And that's why I am so pumped to partner with Compete to Create. I am so pumped because the reason I did this podcast is to help people. Now, I've been asked to go on on develop my own courses or I've been asked to sit in on summits or on, on panels or online courses, online all that type of stuff is great. The whole reason for the podcast is that. But if I genuinely want to help you get better, why wouldn't I recommend you the course that I felt helped me and I have and I know has helped other people? So all that other stuff's great for me and who knows, I, I may do stuff like that. But the reason for this podcast was to help people and help you the listener. Now this course will help you. I guarantee it. So that's why I voiced this ad myself. So what I want you to do, head over to competetocreate.net and when you register, you'll receive $75 off the course if you punch in the code GETTHEEDGE75. So jump over there, competetocreate.net, punch in the code GETTHEEDGE75. I can't recommend it highly enough. So what I'm really excited to do is part of that course is developing your philosophy. And when you develop your own philosophy, you look back at people and certain moments in your life that have influenced you. And you'll come up with a really authentic philosophy. Very simple. And you'll break it down. I'm not going to take you through the exercise here. Jump on the course and do it. But the reason this is a perfect episode to put this ad to for the first time is I interview a person who really has had a powerful and positive influence on my life and my work. Now, this interview was was shot, uh, recorded about three or four years ago now. Uh, and I've saved it and I've sat on it because the sound wasn't great. I'm going to edit it up and I'm going to find little nuggets of gold. The video may possibly never release, but... Uh, but the sound is here, and it's with Wayne Bennett. Now, Wayne Bennett is the most successful coach in the history of rugby league, and I was really, really privileged to work with Wayne for the centenary test of rugby league, 100 years of rugby league, for the 2008 centenary test, the New Zealand Kiwis versus Australia. That was my first meeting with Wayne, uh, a planning meeting prior to that test and then obviously in camp with him and then after that uh, the World Cup campaign with the Kiwis and then after that uh, quite a few years working with Wayne when he coached the NRL All-Stars team and just a friendship and um, a mentorship that has been priceless for me so uh, I consider Wayne a very good friend and I think he knows what type of influence he's had on my career and I'm not sure he knows that when I dug deep into the compete to create course and part of my own philosophy he was uh, I was referring to him <laughs> quite a lot so check out this podcast but definitely definitely head over to compete to create.net the, the code get the edge 75 I hope you enjoyed this chat with Wayne. He is an absolute legend of a bloke away from 
what he does in rugby league. Uh, you may know him just from what you see on TV. Behind the scenes is uh, often different to what you see on the TV, but an absolute legend has had a massive influence on me and I'm so happy to bring him to you and I hope you get something out of this. If you do, I'd love it. I'd love you to send this to somebody. I'd love you to send this to a friend or share it or like it or rate it or review it, whatever you want to do, but I would love it to personally go via a text, send it to a friend that you know will get something out of listening to the great Wayne Bennett. Sitting and chatting with Wayne was was a lot of fun. We we started the chat by I rem- reminded him of a night. Uh, it was our first night in camp with the New Zealand Kiwi team, and we left the hotel to take them out to dinner. And we walked into a it was a pub style of uh, setup where you would you would order your meal at the counter, and in the back room we had a private room all set up, but you had to go and make your order at the counter. So there we all were just lining up, looking at the menu. And I can remember clearly I am dying for a nice big steak, a big scotch fillet steak with gravy and maybe some chips. I was thinking about a nice pub meal. Now, a few veggies, bit of steak, bit of chips, gravy, perfect. Anyway, I'm lining up behind Wayne and next to us is Sonny Bill Williams. Now, Wayne says, he looks at the counter and he goes, yeah, I better be careful. I'm in camp in a hotel. We've got regular meals and every meal is all you can eat. I always put weight on in these camps. I better be careful. And then he goes and orders grilled fish and salad. Now, Sonny Bill, who's also uh, very disciplined around what he eats, I'm not sure if he was ready for a typical pub meal, but he then orders grilled fish and salad or something similar. I did the same. So much for my big steak and chips and gravy. I've looked up. I said, yep, grilled fish and salad for me, please. I might have got the salmon. Uh, But anyway, we start by reminding Wayne of that story, and I remember it because down the line all our players started ordering so healthy and it just started the camp off really really well so I talked to him about the way he did that on that occasion so take a listen oh, of course of course it's right I mean yeah. <clears throat> that's the best form of leadership not what you say but what you do yeah you know, so and you know they the thing I've learned on this journey is that they don't listen to what you say very much but they do watch what you do in a few a few examples like that was a classic that was a classic example the whole team started ordering healthy like that yeah. where I'd been in a lot of other camps where the coach would be like hey make sure you lay the law down about what to eat and make sure you weigh him in in the morning and weigh him in the afternoon and tell yeah. me report to me what but all you simply did was said I like grilled fish and salad yeah. and it was like just set a bit of a tone yeah um then there's little things I remember that week. Um, we sat there and you, you told me about Hayden. We've got the best. We've, we've got the best resources here. You know, we know. You said we we know what to do. They all know how to play footy. I'm going to tell them how to play. We've got to challenge them about showing evidence that they want to play. play you know. Yeah. 
and that stuck with me. I then reminded Wayne of the story once we were in camp and I went and knocked on his door. I'll never forget it. I went and knocked on his door at, uh, let's say, uh, late morning. Late morning. It may have been about a 10 a.m. knock. I knock on his door. Wayne answers the door. Yes. Now, at this stage, you have to understand the aura about Wayne Bennett was he is the most successful coach of all time in the history of rugby league. And I, I hadn't actually... I didn't know him in my time in rugby league. Up up to that stage, I'd worked professionally in the game for nine years before this this meeting, and obviously in our game, he's the godfather of coaching, and and there's a, quite a bit of an aura around him. And at that stage, I didn't actually know him, but I was always, always, from as long as I can remember, being a kid surrounded by coaching my own father and just the way he guided me through life learning off older people and i i just knocked on the door wayne says yes what's wrong and like something had to be wrong for me to knock on his door now i remember clearly i said nothing's wrong wayne i was just wondering if uh we could catch up for a coffee now you guys know the listeners here know that that's when i do some of my best learning when i've just spent time even just chatting and listening now Wayne looks at me and says I don't drink coffee (laughs) and I I said Wayne what I'm getting at here is I've traveled the world learning off other coaches top line coaches of other sports I invest in traveling the world to do that and and I dropped a few names, you know. I said, like, I've travelled the world to, uh, I've travelled to the other side of the world to meet Alex Ferguson, you know. Like, I've, I dropped a few names, and I basically said, you are the most successful coach in our game, and I am rooming in the room next to you, and we're in camp together. If I don't make an effort to talk to you, Wayne, I am not having a go. He puts this cheeky grin on his face, and I think he realised then that I was a keen learner. And he says, right, I'll see you at two o'clock. And closed the door. So uh, told me to meet downstairs at 2 o'clock. So we went downstairs at 2 o'clock. And amongst all the things we spoke about, I'll never forget when he realized at that moment he was becoming a mentor to me. When he agreed to take me under his wing at that very moment, it was a start of a great friendship that I really, really appreciate to this day. But I'll always remember, he kept talking about his own mentors. So take a listen to Wayne when, we, when I reminded him of that occasion, when we spoke about his mentors. You know, I, I, was, I felt pretty privileged in life to have different mentors, coaches, and I consider all our lessons you gave me as a mentor, you know. But you talked to me on the first night about Jack Gibson and how much he meant to you, you know? Yeah, well, he was more of a figurehead than than a, than, a, than a close mentor, you know, but I don't know, I was smart enough somewhere in my life to realise that um, I need to take advice from other people. And so, as a little boy growing up, I defended a farm, or he defended, befriended me, and he had a huge influence on my life as a young boy, Basil Phelan was his name, and. And then uh, my uncle, who um, was a police officer and played for Australia as well in rugby league, was on the 1948-49 kangaroo tour. He had a 
big influence on me as I was growing up. And then um, when I got into coaching, I got into coaching uh, for whatever reason, but I got into coaching and then there was a guy named Bob Bax who was a wonderful, wonderful coach. He was, he'd be, he, if he'd have been in Sydney, he'd have been a great coach. He was a great coach in Queensland, but he never, you know, never kind of pushed himself or published or, you know, got that awe about him that Jack kind of got, but he was, he was great with people. And I played under him for Queensland and I just loved him. And so when I got into coaching, I, he was at the end of his career, he was retiring. So he was a big part of me with the Broncos initially. He went, every game we went away, he'd come with us and everything else. So he was pretty influential. Um, there was a guy named Ron Spaulding, and, and a guy that was involved in Aussie rules, kind of befriended me somewhere. And yeah. he had some good ideas, and I listened to him a fair bit. And then when I went to Canberra, um, I, um, I ran into um, to Ron Massey, who was Jack's main man. It was, yeah. you know, and, um, and I had a long relationship with him until he died. Um, and he was outstanding. Um, and um, yeah, Bob, Bob died a long time before, before Mass did. And then, you know, I kept the relationship with Mass and was really close to him. And yeah, it was great help to me. Yeah, why'd you love that first coach? Bill, was it, did you say? First coach? Yeah. Um, no, the, well, no, uh, there was a Ron. But no, no, Bob, Bob Bax. Oh, sorry, Bob Bax. Oh, mate, he was a genius. He was just, he was so clever. He was way before his time. I mean, he talked, he gave me game plans yeah, in, right. in the early 70s yeah. that, that he, he'd used at North. He, he, I think he coached 15 years in Brisbane. The teams were never out of the playoffs. There was only top four in that era. This yeah. is 50s and 60s. Yeah. And he won nine, I think he won nine premierships or something like that in that period of time as well. Yeah. Right? But he was just... He was a bookie, uh, SB bookie in that day was big, you know. Yeah. He was, um, he just had, he just knew people better than anybody that I've ever kind of known. He knew how to get the best out of people yeah. and, yeah. and was really clever with it. So, yeah, he, he showed me tests he was doing with them, a fitness tests to find out whether they fit. Now, compared to today's, they weren't as scientific as today's, but they were, they were relevant for that time, you know, and the yeah. game plans. And then his other great ability was his ability to, to um, to use psych in a, in a way that I'd never seen it used before, you know. Yeah. And sometimes in a negative way, sometimes in a positive way, but um, he was a genius at it. And through, through that mannerism, he'd, he'd challenge you in a, in, a, in a way that I'd never been challenged before. So uh, he told me I wouldn't make it as a coach because I was too nice a bloke. Uh, yeah, he did, no he did, but, but he stuck with me. And, um, and his favorite line was at half time, you know, if you don't pick your act up, I'm gonna drop you next week. You know, that was his favourite line. Yeah. You won't be in the team next week. Next week I'd roll around the guy to still be in the team. You know, and I said, I remember saying to him, I said, Bob, I can't do that. Like, if, you're not, if I'm going to tell you you're not going to be in the team, you're not going to be in the team. Yeah. I said, that's just how I am. I said, Wayne, they all forget what you say. He said, so <laughs> you shouldn't worry about it. But his best one with me, I played for Queensland. He was coaching Queensland and he, he brought us together. Like, he, it was really great the way he brought us all together and wanted to play for him and all that. Anyway, I didn't have the greatest game of all time, and he said to me through the middle of the week, he said, oh, have you seen your uncle around lately? That's my uncle, Eddie, that I had so much respect for. I said, no, I haven't seen him for a while. No, oh, he said, um, I ran into him the other day. He said, oh, yeah. He said, oh, he's embarrassed. It's about the way you're playing. I said, is he? I said, are you serious? He said, oh, he's 
terribly embarrassed. He said he told me that he couldn't believe he could play so badly and a bit ashamed actually. Because that oh, was filthy, you know. And I said, well, he should have rang me, mate. Should have told me. Yeah, he said he probably will. He said, you know. Anyway, at that time I was in Toowoomba and I wasn't in Brisbane much, and Michael was living in Brisbane and. Season got on, was rolling along, and anyway, I ran into Michael about four or five months later, and uh, we had a great relationship. And I just phoned him straight up. I said, "What about you?" I said, "Going to Bob Bax and telling him that you're embarrassed about me and everything else." He said, "Mate, I haven't seen Bob Bax for two years." <laughs> you know, so and of course the other, the other one with him, which was pretty famous, now was at '93 Grand Final, yeah. when. Um, when we managed to get a tip sheet that Brian Smith had used at St George, yeah, that's right. you know, and I showed it to Bob and he said, oh, we can have some fun with this. Yeah. So he, he, and he was with me at the grand final. And so we doctored it all up. Yeah, you know, yeah. Brian had put some stuff in there, but nothing to what we doctored up. And I read it out on the, on the game day, on the yeah. grand final day. And like, we were gone. Like we, in the 93 grand final, we, we'd played four games in a row, four playoff games, because we, we'd finished fourth. And, and they've gone straight to the grand final, and we were busted and beaten. But we won that game against all the odds, 14-6. Yeah. And we won it on that, on that, because they were still filthy after the game. Of course, silly me, I forgot to tell them it was a G up, yeah, right. and they were getting on the radio, Bag and Brian, and hey. yeah, and, and you know, the things that he said about them, and God knows what else. <laughs> and I found out about an hour and a half later, two hours after the game, that yeah, they'd been on the radio. <laughs> and that was, that was Bob. That was Bob's work. That was Bob Baxter's work. Yeah, it was genius stuff. You know, saying like, you know, they called it Gilmeister the axe, but he can't tackle anybody, and he's, he's too small to be playing this game, and just run over the top of him because that's you know, yeah. you know, and just stuff that you knew would get up their nose, and you know, Kerrod Wallace was like a revolving door in a hotel, you know, yeah. as soon as you speed bump and he won't, he won't tackle anybody, and you know, so Great it was just, story. it was just, um, it was good, and it works, yeah. it still works today. You just got to get it the right time, right place. Seems like um, you actually used the word you loved him, right? And, and well, I loved playing for him. I did, yeah. He was yeah. Yeah, a lot of con in him, but, he's, but you knew he was conning you. Yeah. But you didn't mind him conning you. Yeah. You know, that's that was a great part about him. Because that's been um, obviously that that's a lot of your reputation too. Like there's players love playing for you, hmm. and there's other coaches that might be good coaches and whatever. But yeah. But that's definitely part of your. Makeup that players love playing for you is, is that obviously the influence of Bob? Is that yeah, no, it's a big influence of him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I wanted to play for him, and and, yeah. and uh, there's coaches I never wanted to play for. Yeah, and so, but you never ask your players to play for you. That that never happens. Yeah. But you're, you're hoping deep down that they are playing for you. Part of the reason the playing is the playing is the way they want you because they don't want to let you down. Because yeah. a lot of players, if I've ever spoke to them about you that have played with you, they. Mm. They talk about you as you know, like a, a father figure. Yeah. That's that's just you. That's, like, that's yeah. That's me. That's that's part of my DNA. You know, but Baxter was the same. Baxter doing it for you. You know, he he'd, he'd he'd pull you down. You know, he could chop you down that quick. It wouldn't matter. Yeah. But he'd do anything for you, and you wanted to play for him. Yeah. You know, he was great at building camaraderie and and that in the team. You know, he he used to come with with his truth syrup, and his truth syrup was a was a carton of forex. Right, and so if he, rather than have a crisis meeting, if he thought things weren't going where they should, he'd, he'd get everyone down and give them all a couple of stubbies each. And by the time they had a couple of stubbies each, whatever he wanted to know, they'd start telling him, because they wouldn't tell him in the group whenever. So you know, I learned little things like that. You know, uh, how to get to communicate better and a whole lot of stuff. Uh, yeah, he was he was very very smart for his time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, because um, I, I mean, I even loved um, when you when you talk about um, 
the way he, he motivated you or motivated his players or you just you did something to me that week of the World Cup final. Yeah. It was me and um, one of the other trainers. Yeah. Dane, remember Dane? Yeah, I do, yeah. We were yeah. sitting there having breakfast and you walked over and I said, yeah, Wayne, I can't wait to work for you this week. And he said, what do you mean? And I went, well, you've been to six grand finals, you won all six of them. Like, we're going to the World Cup final. And uh, you just went, I know what wins big games. Your job is to help me help them believe in And then you walked away, right? Me and Dane, we had like goosebumps, like, get us to training. But somehow, somehow you had staff, you had players, you had everyone believing and wanting to play. And yeah. Like, we were not meant to win that game. No, we were certainly not meant to win that. That wasn't the idea of the World Cup. Yeah. No. But, you know, a, a Christian brother used to say that on regular occasions, a guy that I have great admiration for too, his name was Brother Bible, he was a wonderful teacher, and yeah. he'd say to me, Wayne, if I do not challenge you, then I fail you. And so, you know, I spend, in the training environment and the team environment, I spend most of my day um, saying things that are very calculated, very meaningful, to challenge you without bringing you in the office and actually challenging you. Okay, because the office doesn't work. Yeah. What works is the one-on-one -on -one conversation that we're having now. And I just throw a couple of bits of bait out there for you. Yeah. And, and hopefully you'll take it, reflect on something, and um, get the job done. Yeah. So and that was part of Bob Baxter. You know, Ron Massey was, Ron Massey had great honesty. Not that Bob didn't, but Ron had great honesty. and. and and he, but you wanted to play for Ron Massey too. I never played for him, but I'd love to play for him and Jack Gibson. I'd have died for him yeah. because I just love the way they handle players, and I love the way Ron, in particular, handle handle players and handle people. But they had a common denominator in that era. You know, Bob Bax, Ron Massey, Jack. They all had they all had humour, yeah. and they all understood them. They all understood the part of caring, and they all understood about bringing the team together and making them want to play for each other. Yeah. And it's yeah. not coincidental that that happens, that's a, a part of your DNA, I reckon, a fair bit. And I've got no doubt in, in the, you know, Jack was the, was the front man at all the aura, yeah. and Jack was, uh, Ron was the, the backup man that had all the, all the discipline, not that Jack didn't have that, he did, but had the discipline and the ability to get the guys to work together yeah. and, 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 the confidence, and give them the confidence and belief that they needed to be good. Yeah. You mentioned caring. Um, Obviously, that's where that's where people say the father figure type thing. You you genuinely care about your players away from footy as well. Yeah, no, I do. Well, I do. I just I don't. We spend so much time together, and I can't understand why we don't care enough about each other. Yeah, yeah. You know, we don't have to be best of mates. I'm not interested in being your best mate. But and sometimes I will be your best mate. I'll just enjoy your company and that. You know, yeah. I've got no better friend than Alan Langer, who's a great player for me, yeah. and the Broncos. But my point is, it's it's um, it is about um, making them feel that they're part of something, they're yeah. part of the club. And I, I'm, you know, I, I'm not big into the family bit. I don't, I never run around saying with the family club because I don't feel that. Yeah. But we are, we are a club that will care about you, and I think yeah, that's yeah. that's more more significant than being the family. Yeah. Because uh, if you care about someone, it means you'll discipline them, you'll give them direction. Yeah. Uh, and you'll always be there for them. It's funny you mentioned the family thing because I have a my belief on that is it's a really overused word. Yeah, well, that's my belief. Um, families get divorced, they have terrible fights. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> the whole families aren't perfect, I can tell you. But everyone uses the word. But yeah, I but don't it's, think it's, they live by 
No, they don't. They don't. It's just that, yeah. But I, I, I'm big into the care part. Yeah. Um, my, all my staff are, and you're wonderful with it too, Hayden. You've got great care for, for your athletes. Yeah. You know, and if I feel you're on the staff and you don't care about the, the athletes, then, then you're not going to be there with me for long, regardless of how good you are. Yeah. 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 Um, the humour part, like a lot of people don't know the humour side of you that I've seen. And when you just mentioned humour, care yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I just had a memory of the, the World Cup dinner, the presentation, the, um, the international awards. Yeah, night. yeah, that was. Me, yeah. And, me and you were yeah. sitting next to each other. Every award went to all the officers. Everybody Every else award. except the Kiwi. Yeah, we had one. We had one. Manu Manu Valley, Valley, that's right. That's it. And uh, all the speeches were all about right. Aussies. Yep, whatever. how great they were and what a magnificent team oh, they I were. I remember seeing you. You were loving it. Cause it was I was. Winding our boys <laughs> up. Boys well, they weren't being wind up. I was going to wind them up anyway. I walked off and went to the bus. I did. It was only me and you left. You nudged me like this and went, we don't even have to motivate them now, H. And then we walked on the bus. You grabbed the microphone. I did. I think you said a few words. I did. I did. <laughs> the whole bus erupted. Yeah. And you just used that as fuel all week. Yeah. That was... That's very true. It was humour, yeah. but it was like, it was bait. It yeah, was, well, it was humour then, yeah. but later in the week it was serious stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, humour's a wonderful thing to break up a lot of tense situations that sometimes you don't want. Yeah. And, and, and the ability to laugh at yourself, and that you've got to be able to show them that you can laugh at yourself. Yeah. You know, then, then they can feel more at ease with you and more comfortable in your presence. Yeah. You love going to the back of the bus. Well, that's where all the bloody idiots are at the back of the bus. Yeah, of course they do. Well, that's where all the fun is at the back of the bus. All the prudes sit up the front. That's the way it's always been, you know. And I don't want to be up the front because I, I am a prude, but I don't want to be with the prudes because there's no laughter at the, at the yeah. front. It's all it's all at the back, and the back's where the fun is, and I want to be at the fun. Yeah. I'm not the fun, but I want to be part of the fun. <laughs> you do a lot of listening, I bet. You must. Yeah, at the back, I learn more about the players at the back of the bus than I do at the front of the bus, yeah. So in the old days, it was a big drinking, of course. They'd have... You know, big containers at the back or beer would be all at the back of the bus, you yeah. know, so that's where I kind of started, but but I'm still at the back of the bus all these years later. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. That's brilliant. I, I know. Well, all the rugs go to the back of the bus, that's, that's, because yeah. I don't want to be down with the prudes in the front. Well, I remember reading Alex Ferguson's, some of his books and that, and he was, he's a big listener, he used to go and just sit in the spa with him. Yeah, yeah, well, I go uh, change room every day, make listen, sure I'm there. Listen, and yeah. he said he's recruited players off the back of, they might have had a game against someone and then he's listening to their players talk about how tough a certain yeah. player was to play yeah. against. Yeah. Thinking, oh, well, I'll go yeah. and sign him. That's you know? me. Yeah. yeah. Well, the other place you get most of the information from is the physio room as well these days, you know. Yeah. Because they all go in the physio room. They think it's a sanctuary in there and if there's a bitch and whinge going on, it'll happen in the physio room. So yeah. I'll just go in there and lay on the physio table some days and just lay around, lull around and yarn on and find out more and then they'll find out anyway. Yeah, nice. So bit of the the, um, the word, the fad word over the last few years is, is leadership. We've touched on it a bit. You're all about um, leading by example. But when you're in your environments, are you, um, is there a certain type of character you're looking for? Like, what do you value or who are the best leaders you've had? Yeah, they all, they all vary. But, you know, the thing about leadership, it's one of the most overused words in the English dictionary at the moment. You know, everyone's supposed to be a leader and we all have these leaders. We don't, we don't all want to be leaders and we don't all have leadership qualities. So that doesn't interest me, you know. What interests me is that you'll take ownership of yourself and you'll take some responsibility for yourself. And if you do that, your chance of 
you know, being a bit of a leader down the track. But if you won't take those two for a start, forget the rest of it. So, um, but, but, you know, they all vary your leaders and, you know, different stages you look for different qualities. But the end result, if you're a rugby league player and you're, and you're going to be a leader, then you've got to lead by example. It's, it's, just, it's just not a, a non-negotiable. Now, the rest of it, you know, you can put other guys. I mean, Alf was never a great talker on the field, but they all knew when he had the shits with him because of the way he'd just look at you. Well, he wouldn't look at you. And, and that, that hurt him. Uh, but, you know, Chris Johns and Kevin Wallace did a great job with me for talking in that period of time. Yeah. They, they do the talking, but Alpha do the leading. Yeah, right. You know, and Alf's one of his great, you know, he's a little bloke and he played his heart out, but he'd do three tackles in a row. He'd get in the market. There's a lot of dummy half run happened in that era. And he'd knock three down in a row. And that'd just inspire you. Yeah. You know, so he was really good there, you know. Lockyer was in his type of mould. Like Darren was introverted, so for him leadership wasn't easy. So he was never going to raise his voice at you. He was never going to say anything out of place to you. Um, but he would always lead by example, and he had his own mannerisms about about getting you to respond and and uh, not let him down and yeah. not let the team down. You know, so yeah, they're all they're all different. Kevy Walters was great. He always, he led from the front here, yeah, but Kevy was good with the talk. Had a lot of passion when he talked, and yeah. you know, because he won us the two thousand grand final. Um, ben Hornby, Dean Young at the Dragons, they were great, you know, Dean, both led by example, but Ben was pretty good with the talk, yeah. and Dean was, uh, Dean was captain coach on the field for you, yeah, right. you know, he was outstanding, Dean, you know, could have, either of those two guys could have been captain, yeah. you know, we have one. It is, it is a, an overused word, but I just, um... yeah, no, it is, it is, and some guys are just, it's a bit like being a role model, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a totally misplaced Mm. As well with young football players, young men in particular, don't have to be football players. I mean, young men are so unstable; they don't, a lot of them aren't, haven't got their act together, yeah. and they think that they can be role models off the field with their behaviour. It's just, just, it's just not possible. You know, you, on the field they can by their by their by their actions, but but not off the field. You know, and sometimes yeah. they, you know, but we put them under all this stupid pressure to think that they've got to be role models. I, ne I never do that. And I, I don't see myself as a role model. You know, people say you're a role model at times when, but I don't. I don't. I don't get around thinking I'm a role model. I just get around doing the best I can do, and if that helps somebody, well, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, you just mentioned a lot of players. Those that Brisbane here it kind of takes me back to the the genuine care. I've got this. There's not many people I've met over time that lasted twenty. You were twenty-one years in the one place. Yeah, I was. It's like the similarities with Alex Ferguson was 25 plus years, and now yeah. you're, you're 25 probably now. 24. 24 years now in the one yeah. place. Kevin Sheedy, those. Yeah. There's probably there's not many. No. Usain Bolt's coach, Glenn Mills, he's, he's had a crew. He's been coaching those Olympians from the same club from about 1980 yeah. through to now. And you've all got the similar characteristics, and, and one of those things brings me back to is, is the care. Yeah. And I hope to take this camera over to Jamaica and get that same thing. But I used to watch him coach. I've been there a couple of times, and he's got coaches out there coaching stopwatches, blowing whistles, whatever. And he's walking along asking someone, "How'd you go? You're struggling to pay your rent, or how's things at home?" That's or you know, like he he was he looks after him yeah. in other ways. Yeah. That yeah. They just love him. Yeah. The time I had with Alex Ferguson, even though it was only half an hour like this, yeah. um, one of his biggest things was, is we talked everything, recruitment, training, technology, everything. Yeah. 
But the thing I remember was this receptionist walked past and he excused himself and he turned to her and said, hey, is everything okay? Whatever. And she comes back to me, sorry, Hayden, she had a day off Monday, I just needed to see if she was all right. Yeah. And it was like, it just made me think, he gives so much love to his club that they yeah. pay it back tenfold. Yeah. And, and that's clearly, that's clearly you. Well, there's a great line that says, that, you know, they don't care until you care. I'm, t- I'm sorry, they don't care until they know you care. Mm-hmm. And it's very true. It's very true. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we deal with a lot of boys, young men that are, come from very dysfunctional homes and um, grown up lifestyles, you know, so they, they, and they've had a lot of mistreatment, not a lot of trust in, in people, you know. My first priority is to build their trust in me that I will not fail them. And, you know, whether they make first grade or they finished in third grade or we let them go after two years because we can't handle them anymore, then I'm still, I still get phone calls today from, from guys that I sacked and let go and whatever, because at the end of the day, they, they, they know I've always cared about them and yeah. they're important. What's your take on energy, like that contagious energy in a place? Um, oh, well, you know, that's, that's, that's important as well. And, but, you know, if you get the right in culture and the right environment, you'll get the contagious energy because they want to come to train and they want to, they want to enjoy themselves and they want to do their best. Yeah. You know, so that's the that's a characteristic to it. You can't. It's not something you can generate or, or make up. It's yeah. it's got to be, it's got to be in the place. It's got to be part of the feel of the place. Yeah. And the evidence will be there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, the rest will come after that. But yeah, you can talk about energy as much as you like. But if you don't get around energy and you don't create a place where they where it's a good place to be and they want to be and look forward to coming every day, yeah. and then it, the energy's going to be sapped out of the place. Yeah. With all the infighting and all the all this backstabbing that goes on, all the politics that get played, you know. I, I, there's just no politics played, Mike. Wherever I coach, there's been never any politics. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. It just destroys morale. It yeah. puts player against player, you know, um, staff against player, staff against staff. Yeah. No politics. No, I remember you advised me when I thought about leaving the place I've been for 12 years. Yeah. When I come down to your house. Yeah, well, the politics were killing you there. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You said to me, if you've thought about leaving, it's time to leave. Yeah, yeah. Because eventually it'll work yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm strong on those things, and you know, you know, things happen. You but you just got to handle them how they happen. You got to tell them how it is that there and then that day and all that type of stuff. Not run around behind their backs and yeah. a lot of other stuff that can go on in clubs and in organisations and teams anywhere. Yeah. You know. Superstar versus hard worker. Um, what's your balance? What's well, your I need both of them. Yeah. I need both of them. Okay. A team of superstars will not will not win the comp. A team of hard workers will not win the comp. Yeah. Um, so I need a balance of both of them. But you know, they both got to be committed. And they both got to they both got to you know do the same training. But sometimes a superstar takes a bit of a you know a different approach to it. But but at the end of the day, as long as he's compliant with everything that the club requires him to do, then I'll put up with him not winning the race. I'm not expecting him to win the race or the fitness test or whatever. Uh, if he's back in the middle of the field somewhere, that's fine. If he's back at the end of the field like Steve Renouf used to be, that's fine. But you're going to do it. Yeah. And you're going to have the respect to the other players that you're putting in and yeah. and you go from there. And, and, yeah, and sometimes you do cut a bit of slack with them, but but it, it's not to the detriment of the rest of the blokes and, and the rest of the team accept that. Yeah. I was talking to a... Middle-aged to Josh Beattie, you met. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
on the phone just as we were driving, and I said, oh, I'm catching up with Wayne. If you could ask him one question, what would it be? And it was, it was a bit of a, a, a soccer-style question about yeah. that. What's your balance of a team, your makeup of a team of... Um, yeah. Even in age, yeah. in experience versus... Yeah, th- n- none, of it's, none of it's relevant. It's all what's relevant is is you've got a team and you need to get to this point here and we're all going to have to pay a similar price to get there. Yeah. And that's that's the issue. And I remember talking to a, one of the soccer guys without naming him, one of good mates with him, the um, superstar they brought out here for Sydney's... Um, from it, El, El, Yeah, right? He had his own change room and a whole lot of other stuff. I mean, that that's just rubbish. Yeah. That just can't happen, yeah. you know? Um, hey, sure, they get different pay packets. That's fine, we all live with that. But we've got to wear the same shorts, same gear, turn up at the same time, be on the same bus, eat the same food. You know, it just doesn't work any other way yeah. because you're isolating him from everybody else or the team from him and vice versa. Yeah. And uh, so you can go back and tell him that um, the superstar and the hard worker have got to be treated with pretty much the same um, and, and uh, everyone's got to pay the same price for success. Otherwise, and, you know, he's just had a successful season there so he'd understand that now. Understand how important that is. You um, you find yourself once was that deliberate and turning up late? No, it wasn't deliberate. Were you trying no, to, no. You did tell everyone some easy rules. Yeah, yeah, that's right. No, I did. Yeah. I had to. Yeah. Can't have one rule for me and one rule for everybody else. Yeah. That doesn't work. So that's that's the hard part as you get older in coaching. It's not that I don't want to coach in that, but it, you've still got to. Get on the bus with everybody else. You've still got to sit there in the back of the bus. You've got to do all those things you've been doing for thirty odd years. You know, whereas you're driving the game in your car and feeling good and got the family with you, whatever. You know, well, I still got to go on the team bus, and I can't afford to put my family in play in in place of all that. And 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 you know, you get to that stage in life sometimes where the red wine's more important to you than the than the contest. You know, but if I want to keep coaching, then I've got to keep paying that price. So. I've got to be on time. I've got to work hard. I've got to be committed. I've got to be show them guys that I'm, I'm still there with them. Yeah, because I remember you walked in the room five minutes or whatever, and you'd already told them to expect them what, ten minutes earlier. Five no, minutes. not really. I just want them on time. Yeah, yeah. You, um, you said to them, boys, I've got a reason why I'm late, but I've got no excuse. That's right. And I was wondering if that was calculated because by the end of the tour, it was there is no excuse again. Yeah. And we eventually come on the big night because you have no That's regrets. exactly right. We have no regrets, mate. Yeah. That's all we're living. No regrets. Yeah. yeah. That was only the biggest thing, no regrets. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, you know, regrets live with you forever. You can, you can, we could have played on the big night and got beaten by a few points and, and we'd be disappointed. You're always disappointed. When you put your heart and soul into something that doesn't work out, you're always disappointed. But there's a huge gap between disappointment and regret. Regret stays with you all your life. Disappointment, you'll get over and you'll be better for it. But not regret. Regrets you can't you you can't bring it back. It's lost. Still up on my wall at home. You tell Benji. <laughs> Remember we put the pictures of them in their locker. Yeah. And it had New Zealand no regrets or Benji yeah. no regrets. Yeah. Come to me straight after that game, and he grabbed a text down and said, "Peter Hayden, thanks for helping me believe whatever Benji Marshall has yeah. no regrets down it." Yeah. And I've had heaps of that stuff over time given to me. But that one, I just made sure it's up. up yeah, I want good. my kids reading it. Yeah. I want my kids to yeah. one day say what they no regrets about. Yeah. They haven't asked that yet. You know? No. But it's up there. Tell yeah. Benji he's still sitting on the wall. Yeah. 
Oh, well. But yeah, I know you were big on that, and I, I know in one of your books it was about you work hard and you make sacrifice. You'll always hold your head up high. Yeah, that's right. It might not always work out for you, but you'll be a lot better for it. And, I, and that experience you have will take you to another place in the world where you'll, where you'll do a lot better than you thought you could do because of the experience you had when you failed. So you just listened to us when we were talking about contagious energy and the experiences that I had with him. I, I loved listening and chatting and him reminded me it's all about the environment you create and I hope you got something out of that and then the contagious energy becomes natural. It just become, It's in the walls of the place. Uh, but I also had, ex- not only listening to that is refreshing, but just having experienced that with him, I clearly remember campaigns where I've sat in staff meetings where, you know, uh, Wayne would address the staff and tell us, your number one job here this week is to create a camp, create an environment that these players want to be a part of and want to come back to and will go away and talk to other players about how good the camp was and and make other players want to be a part of it now so i i clearly remember being part of wayne's staff and listening to those directions but hearing it now on on recording i i hope it does help you in some way in some way about the environment you're in and what you're trying to create the contagious energy will then be natural you heard us refer to a a little story there where i'd spent I'd spent 12 years at one organisation and there was a time where I thought about leaving and the person I, I went to, which I've gone to Wayne about a number of things over the time, was I went to him and I drove down to his place, a couple of hours drive, and I spent three hours at his house and we talked about a lot of things, but basically he knew what was eating me up and he basically very, very simple, simply said to me, if you have thought about leaving, it's time to leave because you're in a job where people will feel it, players will feel it. You can't you can't be in your position and have people feel that. And he was so right. And I, I left that organisation at the time and um, Wayne did offer me a full-time job. Uh, the following year... Um, I didn't take it, uh, but I did take his advice and I did spend uh, some time with him, with that team at the time that he was with. And even that, it was just great to just catch up, even just at a a once a week type appointment um, that I did take at that time because the full-time job wasn't, uh, it wasn't a good fit for me at, at that stage. And, but I still love and value He's um, the way he looked out for me and looked after me and the advice he gave me of keeping my foot in the door and um, just continually spending time with him. It was, again, a priceless experience. That was some time ago now and refreshing to be listening to some of these stories as I'm edit- editing this up to, to bring to you. So I hope you enjoy that part of Wayne's wisdom there is create that environment. I could have spoken all night to Wayne and some of the best learnings I ever had were on one hour long walk and talk type sessions in in camp uh, where some of the learnings are just priceless. So I could have spoken all night but to finish it off I asked him one last question on mental toughness. Yeah well it's a big changing point in, the, in, in, in our youth today 
you know, if you said to me about what, what's the difference between the years of the day and when I coached in all those years ago, it's that they're not resilient as they were. Okay, and that's our fault. We've, we've, we've dealt them a bad hand. Us, what I'm saying, you know, our generation, kids born in the 80s and 90s on, we've, we've dealt them a bad hand. There's that, they have this sense of entitlement and as soon as something goes wrong, it's somebody else's fault, you know. And, um, and so you do have to handle them differently, a little bit differently, not, not overly differently, but, but they are prepared to pay the price for success. They, they still understand that in 18 and 19, they come into the, into the senior squads and start working they've got to work hard and there's no shortcut to success. So they, they do get that part of it. But my only criticism of them today is this resilience. And, um, uh, and we failed them because we made it too easy for them and we've copped all their, you know, their whinges and moans and we haven't hardened them up and said, go, mate, go and get a life, behave yourself today, get to school and we're going to go and see the school teacher because you had a bad day yesterday. You know, and that's, that's where we failed them. Uh, and, you know, we don't challenge them enough. And, um, and, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today if I wasn't challenged by older men when I was a young, young guy growing up. They just challenged me and, you know, yeah, it was either sink or swim type attitude. You soon learn to swim because you don't want to sink. Um, yeah, but we've got all these excuses today for our kids and the kids are starting to make them for themselves. And, yeah. So I'm big into that. I'm big into that, well, that part of it. That really sticks out to me. That's why I asked you about the time. And I didn't have a plan there. Yeah. It's a bit about, about a reason, but I've got no excuse. Yeah, that's you know, right. By then we had no regrets. Yeah. Just so, you know, don't know if you realise that, you probably do, but the influence you're having on me at the time, went back to the club that I was working for the following year. Yeah. And they were going through a bad patch. I mean, it was almost over. I think it was almost over, 2009. And um, I remember it pretty clearly. I sent the same message to everybody about, Hey, listen, you go out this weekend and someone's going to piss in your pocket about someone else's fault or yeah, someone's right. not playing bad. Or, and I drew on a lot of the stuff we spoke about. I said, yeah. Your job this week is to put your own hand up yep. and don't tolerate someone bagging your teammate or whatever. Put your own hand up. What can I do about this? Yeah. Yeah. And we're not going to give up. And I used all your lines about holding your head up high and, yeah. and I used all your bits about giving me some evidence and that and I did some crazy things and got fighters in to fight them and yep. see a bit of character and all that and we ended up in a position where if we lost a single game we were gone and we just oh that was a great season when you played in the grand final yeah, yeah. it cost the dragons yeah yeah that's cost us yeah that's right yeah that's right no you're right 909 yeah, but I don't know if you know I went back from that world cup and I said I'm not a punter but I said to a few boys that you'd be putting money on the dragons yeah and then I stole a lot of your stuff yeah. in 09, and then we ended up getting Yeah, we did. We, well, we won, the, we won the, we were the minor premiers. Yeah. We'd done a great season, we beat you in the last game, and then right. you came back a week later, we were, you were eighth and we were first, yeah. and you beat us, and then we went to Brisbane and got beaten the week after, and you went through to the grand final. That's right, yeah. Yeah, so thanks, Hayden. Yeah, but no, that was you, that was you. <laughs> And you still won the premiership the next yeah, year. Yeah, we did, so but, but if it, it was... If we put money on, they would have Yeah, it. yeah. But, um, no, thanks, mate. Well, hello. Thank My pleasure. Well, okay. Um, I hope it helps. I don't know where it's going to go. No, that's all right, mate. I'll probably write a book. Yeah, that's good. That. That's good. That's yeah. good. You use it wisely. Yeah, no, thanks. All right, I'll get going. So what a finish. 
At the time of recording, I had no idea what I would ever do with it. We were sitting in a hotel room and filming that, and Wayne's final words were, I know you'll use it wisely. I hope it helps. So I feel there are some nuggets of gold there that will help you, and uh, one of the biggest things is it's not that hard to give you time. Uh, Wayne gave his time, and it was priceless. Part of me digging deep into my own philosophy and my own influences over time Wayne was definitely a big part of that uh, there's some people before that and there's been some people after that that have helped develop me and like I said I'm, um, I'm truly truly grateful for any time I've spent with Wayne and I am very very happy to be able to share it now through technology and through this podcast so now some of the best learnings I've ever done have like I said, I've just been listening. But the the sponsor that I introduced at the top of this show, this episode, was an actual online course that I want you to have a look at. And do yourself a favor. Do yourself a favor and at least take a look at competetocreate.net. Now, the partnership that I was really pumped to bring to you is $75 off the course just punch in the code where once you register there'll be a section put in the code get the edge 75 now that's for 75 dollars off the course like i said at the start of the show i voiced the ad because it is so genuine to me the whole reason for this podcast was to help people now if i really want to continue helping people why wouldn't i recommend the same course that I got so much out of and and so have athletes I work with so have coaches I work alongside and so has even my own wife so if I recommend it to all those people that I care about why wouldn't I recommend it to you so jump on there at least just to take a look compete to create.net it will bring you the tools to dig a little bit deeper a little bit deeper I want this podcast to continue to keep helping you but this course will definitely help you by just letting you work a little and dig a little bit deeper. Get the edge 75. That's the code. Thanks again for listening. I'll be back soon. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of GTE with Hayden Knowles. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review to help grow the team.